Sometimes you have a good idea and you just decide to act on it. It wasn't my idea and it wasn't me acting on it at first. My friend Rob, who I served with the Marine Corps, texted me because he had seen some of the social media posts I made about hikes that I had been on. I had seen some pictures he put up that he took while he was out hiking and asked if I wanted to go hiking with him soon. We live about an hour apart and he suggested we go to one of the places I would normally go. But the thing is, Rob lives in Somerset and some of the places he had been were in the Bridgewater Triangle, specifically in the Freetown State Forest. I told him I was interested in getting out in the woods that he normally went to. To my surprise, his response was, how's Monday after work sound? Man, that was music to my ears. So the plan was to meet him after I got off work. We'd make the 20 minute drive and hike a trail that he promised had enough tales and creepy legends to satisfy my craving. I wasn't sure what we were going to see. The area is known for almost every paranormal, supernatural, and out of this world thing you could think of. Ghosts, puckwudgies, fey, Bigfoot, aliens, disappearances, and satanic cults, just to name the ones I can think of on the fly. All this and more has been reported in these woods. This place has a creepy and dark history. So as we're going along, Rob is telling me about his other experiences in the forest, most of which are about the strange people he comes across. But one thing he says sticks with me, where he said that when he feels like something in the woods tries to get his attention, he just ignores it. I still can't decide if that's brave or genius or both. But after about two miles or so of talking and hiking, Rob stops in the middle of two connecting trails. And in the middle of this intersection is a large tree about two feet across the base. I put my right hand on the tree just to pause. I felt for some reason that I wanted to touch this tree. Then he said, this is it. This is where two dirt bikers found the badly decomposed and headless corpse of Mary Lou Aruda tied to this very tree. Welcome to episode 2 of Tales, Trails, and Taverns. And I know this came out as the third episode. That was totally my mistake. When I wrote and recorded episode 2, I counted the trailer. This is a little course correction. I'm still pretty new to podcasting, so bear with me. I'm your host, Joe Gelinas, and I want to tell you about a little problem I have. See, the thing is, I listen to a lot of paranormal and strange podcasts. Watch paranormal and ghost shows, and so on. And I will also talk to anybody about their experiences. That's not the problem, though. I bet you thought that was a problem. No. The problem is that when these stories originate close by, I'm not satisfied to just have heard the tale. I want to go to where it originated from. Whatever is left, I want to experience it. In the woods, I, I will touch the trees, the rocks, smell the air, feel the atmosphere. If it happened in a building, I want to touch the walls, walk on the same floors, be in the same space to get a sense of others' experiences. For instance, one episode of the New England's Legend podcast had a story that featured a rock called the Devil's Foot Rock. The legend was about a native woman being met by the devil and carried to Purgatory Chasm on Aquidneck Island. This meeting had left a cloven print and a human footprint in the stone. Turned out that the rock was located near modern-day Devil's Foot Trail in North Kingstown, a road that was very close to the place I worked at. So I looked around, couldn't figure it out at first, scoured Google Maps, and eventually figured out where it should be. Then one day after work, I 
parked my Jeep and began searching for the rock. It's very close to the road and was easy to find. And there they were, the cloven prints in the stone, along with one that looked pretty much like a human footprint, just like they said it would be. I took a lot of photos of the area, feeling very satisfied with myself and began planning for my next adventure. And that brings me back to my friend Rob in the Freetown State Forest. Like I said, we had talked about going on a hike at some point and Freetown State Forest came up. He suggested we go after work. That would give us about four hours before sundown and planned out one specifically to indulge my taste. Now I would tell you exactly where this hike was, how to get to the trailhead and where we went, but I don't actually know. What I do know is that we drove down a dirt road, parked at a gate, and walked for a while down a gravel road. About a mile into this trek, the road took a sharp right turn, but at first, we did not. Rob took me up a small path that kept straight and stopped about 50 feet into the tree line. This was the first stop he had planned for us. He pointed to a stone marker under a tree off to the right of the trail. The marker read, Animal Rescue League of Fall River, Animal Cemetery. This marker dedicated to all beloved pets who gave love, happiness, and companionship, laid to rest, sadly missed, but not forgotten. Immediate Stephen King vibes for me, because I don't think I'd ever been in a real-life pet cemetery before that moment. And as we walked around the tree and saw the first couple of headstones, I noticed something. One of the graves seemed to be empty. It's pretty well grown over, but it was very obvious that whatever had been in that grave was no longer there. This one got out. That was the first thing that came to my mind, and obviously the first thing I said when I saw the hole. Rob seemed to barely register what I thought was a very accurate joke. Extremely witty and with near perfect timing. But he just kept moving it further into the forest, pointing at all the other headstones. Rows going in every direction and almost every stone having the name of someone's cherished pet bore the same mark. A hole dug and left unfilled. The pet cemetery had seen use for roughly two decades, but in that time, occultists took a fascination to Freetown State Forest, and many of them took to grave robbing pets for use in the rituals they performed out in the woods. So many graves were desecrated that in 1989, they shut down the cemetery permanently. There are some very ornate stones there, some of which were purchased and set up with a born date and no burial date. Those animals were lucky enough not to have been dug back up and used in some ridiculous ritual. I'm going to be honest here. Seeing the cemetery and all the holes really pissed me off. That people could dig up someone's pet and do what exactly? I hope one of them tried to summon a crossroads demon and got exactly the caliber of evil entity you would expect by using Snowball the kitten's corpse as a means of entry into this dimension. I hope that thing followed you home, scratched the crap out of your couch. I really hope that you've been plagued by an entity that knocks everything off the counters and chews up every electric cord you could have. Imagine thinking you summon some powerful demon, but all you have is a shadow that lives under your couch, smells like cat piss and sulfur, and scratches the back of your feet whenever you're trying to relax. Nobody believes you because it disappears whenever you have company. <laughs> okay, rant over. The next stop on our hike I described in the intro. The trail intersected with another trail, and in the middle of this junction stood a large tree. Rob stopped, and I walked up to the tree, and as I normally do, I put my hand, palm flat, against the tree. If you've ever hiked with me, you've seen me do this. Touch a tree, or a rock, just in passing, or even stopping specifically to lay a hand on it. And so I did, and he began to tell me the story of Mary Little Ruta. 
15-year-old Mary Lou disappeared on September 8, 1978, while riding her bike on a dirt road near her Raynham, Massachusetts home. When she didn't return home, her father contacted the police and the search began. Because of witnesses and physical evidence, including a cigarette and tire tracks found alongside Mary's abandoned bicycle, police apprehended James Cater fairly quickly. Cater's car and profile matched with the witness testimony, along with the brand of cigarettes he was known to smoke. But the search for Mary Lou continued. Two months later, on November 11th, two dirt bikers came across the badly decomposed body, tied standing upright to a tree, the head having fallen off and all her belongings arranged in a circle in front of her. It was believed Cater had done this to make it look like the crime had been committed by Satanists that had been known to frequent the woods at the time. The autopsy revealed that she had been left alive tied to the tree which succumbed to asphyxiation the same day she was abducted. Cater was eventually convicted in 1996, having been tried for the murder three times prior to his final conviction. Two appeals and a mistrial allowed this to play out for almost 20 years. Cater maintained his innocence until his death in 2016. When you go through all the evidence they had, it seems pretty apparent that this was the guy who committed this heinous act. The one thing that stuck out the most to me was that he had recently gotten out of jail because 10 years prior he had abducted a 13-year-old girl and tied her to a tree. Thankfully, she was still alive. After taking a few pictures of the tree and surrounding area, we continued on a hike. Eventually, the trail reached Coppercut Road in the north end of Coppercut Reservoir. Funny thing is, I'd been there before. Turns out, Years ago, when I lived in New Bedford, I used to come to these back roads and go mountain biking. Back then, I wasn't looking for paranormal activity in the woods, and I didn't know any of the legends about the area. I do remember once driving down Copacut Road in my pickup and being followed by the largest horsefly I've ever seen in my life. Still unmatched to this day. Haven't seen one that big since. Recently, I heard about Copacut Road having its own legend. According to a few reports, if you drive down Copacut Road after dark, a truck with its high beams on will appear behind you, and when you pull over to let it pass, it disappears ahead of you. I don't know. If driving like a jerk can make you a ghost story, then there might be a few legends on the Cape that can be attributed to me. <laughs> the way back was uneventful. Even as the full moon crested above the horizon, nothing out of the ordinary bothered us on the way back. Rob took me to a place called Pincheros for some burritos afterwards, and then I headed back to Little Roadie. Already dreaming the next time I would get out to the Bridgewater Triangle. What's next? Dighton Rock? Hockamock Swamp? Anawans Rock? <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. Keep up to date with news stories on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Tales, Trails, and Taverns, as well as on the blog at TalesTrailsAndTaverns.com. Make sure to subscribe on your preferred podcast provider. If you have any suggestions for places I should see, the best way to reach me is direct message on Instagram. Have yourself a great weekend. Until next time, go hiking, see ghosts, drink beer, repeat.